You're listening to Gearing Up, an everyday carry podcast. This is a show that's dedicated to highlighting members and makers of the everyday carry community that are doing really awesome things. If you're into knives, gear, and talking about what's going on in the hobby, this is the show for you. Make sure you subscribe so you get new episodes whenever they drop and follow Gearing Up Podcast on Instagram so you can join the conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gearing Up. This is the Everyday Carry Podcast where we talk about everyday carry stuff. Today, of course, no exception. So I've done a few episodes, a few, two, uh, as part of this series, and today marks the third one. So uh, if you're just joining, definitely go back and listen to the last two episodes because they're sort of part of this bigger overall series. I say putting together. I was going to say putting it. I'm not. I didn't necessarily put it together. <laughs> Let me back up. Uh, if you are just joining me uh, or you haven't caught the last couple of episodes, go do that. Go go listen to the last uh, two episodes because they'll they'll clue you in on why uh, the theme and the topic and some of the things that I mentioned they'll they'll make it make sense. So today, third installment of this series, and we are talking about custom knives. That's right. Today's letter is C. You didn't know you were also listening to Sesame Street. I'm just kidding. But I wanted to talk in this episode, and this will be, again, a shorter episode, but I wanted to talk about custom knives. I think they're a really, really important piece of the hobby. And I wanted to talk about, you know, exactly what that role is in in the hobby and my experience with custom knives and do I own any customs and so on and so forth. So custom knives are something that before you get into everyday carry, you think it's fancy kitchen knives and swords and all of that. But really the custom game has become absolutely bonkers in the last 10 years, 15 years, maybe. Um, I think the bar for entry is a lot lower uh, than it used to be in terms of just who can access the tools. Tools are getting cheaper, you know, the internet, not that that's 10 to 15 years, but you know, I can jump on Amazon and order most of everything I need and it'll be here within, you know, sometimes as soon as a day or two, sometimes a week, but you know, for the most part, access has gotten much, much easier. And so what we've seen is is a lot of folks, and in addition to the the bar for you know the actual tools and materials and all that stuff being lower, I think that the the bar for entry into the market as a maker is a little bit easier to to break through. I wouldn't say it's easy to break through. There's probably some makers that might listen to this and think, nuts. But I do think that when you look at some of the makers over the last few years that have exploded um, and you know how they went about it, what their trajectory was like, it's, it's clear that, you know, the social media strategy and, and a marketing strategy uh, that, that is reflective of 2023 or whatever year you're listening, you know, within <laughs> um, that's extremely helpful in pushing you uh, up into uh, this sort of stratosphere of, of custom knife makers. So, and again, let me, I should have started this episode like I do with most and, and, and put a disclaimer on, I am not a custom knife maker. Um, so I'm not speaking from a place of experience 
as a maker. I am speaking from a place of observation and, you know, just, just being surrounded by the hobby and getting to know several makers and, and all of that. So, you know, it seems like over the last few years, the, the apprenticeship model master knife maker, you know, uh, that, 15, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you kind of had to go through. Now that's sort of removed. And we're seeing a lot of smaller makers pop up and brands pop up that, you know, again, 10, 15 years ago couldn't have happened. So I, I think as a whole, the, the the custom world in everyday carry is extremely broad. And it's, and it's to me, I think it's one of my favorite parts of everyday carry. Um, but I do think it's fair. Let's take a second. Let's talk about custom knives. What is a custom? I should have started with this. I'm bad. <laughs> I don't know that I've done this before. Um, but let's talk about custom knives. What is a custom knife? What makes a knife custom? So I generally have sort of three to four. I'm, I'm y'all are gonna. I'm gonna say something and then I'm gonna completely contradict myself. So. Uh, I, I look at production knives, knives that I could walk into Walmart or house of blades or, you know, a knife shop, any, you know, mom and pop knife shop, whatever. And I can purchase that knife. Uh, and it comes with a box and a plastic bag and a certificate or a instruction, you know, whatever, just like a, a production knife. It's made, um, primarily through, what we envision as production, right? The pieces are cut by machine and they're, you know, the whatever finishing process and they're all assembled. And then, you know, they're, yeah, there's no, there's no maker standing behind the blade, you know, uh, uh, shaping it from bar stock or bar stock, whatever it is. Again, I'm not a maker. I don't know if that's even the right term, but, uh, I think bar stock is round usually anyways. Next time on Things Greg Doesn't Know, we'll talk about bar stock. Anyways, um, so I, I I have production knives in sort of that category. And then there's this weird middle area. And I've talked about this on the, the podcast before, both I think by myself and with, with makers and with enthusiasts alike. And this this the term mid-tech gets thrown around. I don't tend to use that. I think what it's morphed into now for me is so when I think of like Lucas Burnley and like the, the SQD, um, a little bit pricier model, it's not, it's definitely not, you know, the CRKT squid. It's not a custom though. So what, and, but, but it does involve some, some of the time it involves, uh, you know, customized finishes or, unique finishes or designs or whatever. And so what it's sort of turned into is like, you know, now I refer to that as like the Burnley SQD and it's, it's not a mid, I don't say it's a mid tech. I, you know, and the word mid tech, I feel like some folks hundred percent get it. And I feel like other folks are kind of like, we don't know. Is it it's a production with some aspects of, you know, hand finishing and, 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 you know, I'm personally standing and, and finishing this knife and then assembling it and then putting it about, you know, so I, there's this weird middle area and then there's full blown customs. And, and that's kind of how I separate everything out. And 
I was looking through my collection. Not that I needed to look through it to see if I have a custom. I don't own any customs right now. Uh, all of my knives are production knives. And I've had customs in the past. I've had some really nice custom folders. I've had a couple of nice custom slip joints. I've had several custom fixed blades. And, you know, for me, and listen, what I'm about to say, maybe you agree with it, maybe you don't, I don't know, to each his own. But for me, the 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 delta between uh, the quality of production and the cost of custom has gotten so small or bit, I, I don't know if it should be really so I'm bear with me. <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is the, the, the quality, the fit and finish, the tolerances of a production knife, as well as the design, uh, the designs of production knives have gotten so good because a point I'm, I'm going to get to in a minute, but you know, just makers are now collaborating with some of these bigger brands to bring their designs to the masses. Um, I think everything on the production side has continued to increase in quality, availability, um, and, and, you know, uh, uh, viability, right? I think that there's companies now that are taking chances on knife models and knife designs that they wouldn't have several years ago. Don't get me wrong. There's always been that sort of weird niche in the knife industry where, you know, some funky designs from the early nineties, you go back and look, I'm sure there's several, but, um, but I think that there are more companies that are more willing to take chances on, uh, you know, risky designs, if you will. Um, so just the, the, the production side of things has increased in quality and quantity and availability so much that for me as an enthusiast, a collector, a hobbyist, um, and someone with three kids, uh, custom knives have just not been something I've been chasing. The only custom that <laughs> I'm not, I'm not chasing it when it happens, it happens. But, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before too, but the killer bee from McNeese, if I can get the killer bee in the configuration that I, you know, that I want, that's one I would get and I would have, and I would hold on to. But, uh, Outside of that, I, I just, I feel like I'm at the point now in my collector mentality that um, I've just not found customs that quality-wise are just so much better. Not that they're not. I, I'm sure that there are customs out there that are, you know, hand and foot above uh, any of the production stuff. But, you know, from... from you know, can I get it? Can I afford it? And if those two are yes, once I have it, do I like it more than some of these production knives? Um, and the reason that I don't have any customs in the collection right now is that answer has been no, not that they weren't good customs, not that I'm not a fan of them, but, um, it just wasn't the right fit for me at the right time. You know what I mean? So, uh, and, and again, the, the custom killer B is a perfect example. That would be the right knife for me to justify. Cause I, I want it bad enough and, and, you know, I know it's a, a design that I like and, you know, Jonathan McNeese, just super cool dude. So, um, by the way, Jonathan, if you're listening, holler at me, I want a custom killer B. 
Anyways, shoot your shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but that's that's kind of where I, I and I and I don't really know what the takeaway is today, other than just like I wanted to talk through custom knives and why I don't have a ton of custom products. Just overall, I you know. It's hard to say outside of knives what is what you can buy that's like really custom, you know, like a custom bottle opener or a custom, you know, and that I don't think that a custom EDC trinket or gadget or whatever and a custom knife like you can it's hard to compare those, right? Um and so I you know, I think I find with EDC trinkets and gears and gadget and gadgets and stuff like that you know, a lot of times I'm looking at like uh, sprint runs or custom collaborations where, you know, Tom has a beer bomb and he sends it off to be refinished and modded and tweaked or whatever, you know, like those kinds of things are really cool to me. But again, I, I you know, it's apples to oranges here. I'm not, I'm not saying, um, you know, it's a custom made, you know, handmade, whatever. Um, so yeah, I get, I, I get really, I guess that's it. I don't own any customs. I'm not against them. So let, let me say that. Like, there are tons of collectors. Uh, some that I speak with regularly. Some that I just follow on Instagram. And I'm sure there's way more out there. But there are tons of collectors that I'm familiar with that love collecting custom knives and custom pieces. And and that is awesome. If that scratches your itch, if that's what you're into. I think that's great. I think it's really cool that the everyday carry world accommodates every level of enthusiast. Um, and I mean that in sort of two ways, right? So I, I think it's great that if I'm broke as a joke and I'm getting into EDC, um, there's tons of resources out there where I can find you know, reviews and info and all that stuff on super budget items. I can get a, a full... EDC loadout for 25 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. But then on the other end of it, there's also super high end custom stuff. And if I get to the point where I want to buy a Ferrari, I'm going to sell the Hyundai and I'm going to drive a Ferrari. And I'm just, you know, that's just not where I am right now. Um, but, but the other side of that and the other point I was going to make is, is I think it's great at every level of everyday carry enthusiasm you can find more often than not, you can find the design you like or the maker you like, and you can support them in that way. And I, this is a point I've hit on in the past and I'm, and I'm really a big fan of is that, you know, again, picking on Lucas Burnley, like we talked about this in his episode, but you know, he, he's sort of got an answer for, uh, you know, just about every level of enthusiast all the way from the $20 squid to his customs that are, I don't even know how much. Um, so I love that you can find that variability and I love that custom knives are an option and who knows, maybe one day I will find the custom knife of my dreams and I'll walk away from the table with it and, and I'll, you know, I'll come back and, and completely redo this episode. But, uh, I think that custom knives are just, they're just not for me right now. Now I did want to make a point, uh, earlier, there are, this is another reason why I don't have custom knives. There are makers that I love and designs that I love that exist in a production form. 
And so, you know, uh, two really great examples. Of course, you guys know I love my McBee. Um, and that's one that uh, I have, I don't know, I think I have three of them now. Uh, but it's a design I really love. It's a maker I love. And it's a price that's not a custom. And it's also available. Um, you know, that's that's the big thing is like I can go to, you know, Blade HQ or whoever and, and you know, purchase a, a McBee. Um, the other one that I have is one that's quickly become sort of a second favorite. And that is the Kaiser Laconico Yorkie. So I'm a huge fan of Ray Laconico. I, th- I think his designs are really great. And I love the idea of having a custom Yorkie. Don't know if that's a thing he's even building anymore. Uh, I know he's got a billion things going on. But this this thumb stud Yorkie from Kaiser, I just can't get over how good the action is, the fit and finish. It's not a super inexpensive knife, but it's not, I mean, it's, 120 bucks, maybe 150, somewhere around there. Um, but it is just consistently so good. And I, you know, again, unless I win the lottery or something to that effect, I just, I, you know, I, I have a hard time saying, uh, you know, Hey, I'm really chasing this, this custom because I can kind of get the best of both worlds. I can, I can have my cake and eat it too. Is that a saying that applies here? I don't even know. Anyways, point being, I want to pass this topic or question off to you guys. Do you own any customs? Why or why not? Have you owned them in the past and got rid of them? And if so, why? What what made you part ways with your sweet, sweet custom? And talk to me about the experience. So I'm backtracking just because I, I had a thought and you guys know, um, I fake out ending the episode 15 times before we end, but I I had a thought and and I want to talk about the experience. So I've mentioned a few times in my rambling that like sometimes availability is a concern, right? And so that speaks to a larger piece of the experience, right? And, And what's the experience like? And this is one thing that I think production knives have gotten better at, but custom knives are still way better. Um, and that is the, the experience of, of ordering, purchasing and receiving a custom knife like that to me is peak experience. And that's not to say, let's be clear. That's not to say that you can't have makers and brands doing production runs and giving you a stellar unboxing experience. That's not, that's not the case. But I will tell you that the experience of purchasing a custom knife direct from the maker is just, it makes you just feel all warm and fuzzy. I don't know what it is. Um, but that combined with, you know, usually this is something they've spent their hard, you know, their time and, and effort on. And there's, as a maker, there's got to be some level of, of attachment, uh, pride. And there's just something satisfying about purchasing a, a custom knife from a maker and, and I, I don't know, I don't know else how to describe it, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that's like, you can't put a price on it. Uh, even though technically when you buy a custom knife, you're putting a price on it, but you guys know what I mean, right? Um, 
I swear, I need someone to go through and just do a supercut of all the times I've just paused and made myself laugh. Uh, please don't do that. But uh, anyways, that's where we're at. We're talking about custom knives. I want to know what you guys think, though. Do you own customs? Have you owned them in the past? What do you think is the biggest upside, the biggest downside of, of chasing or purchasing customs? And um, what do you think? Here's one that might be interesting. What do you think uh, the custom knife world needs if it's not for you right now? Like what would be the differential? What would be the difference maker in the knife world if, if it were up to you? And you were thinking, I really want a custom knife, but blah, 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 blah. Like, what would that solution be to make the custom knife world more appealing to you? Yeah, we're going to leave it there. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you again in the next one. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes every time they're released. And make sure you follow Gearing Up Podcast on Instagram so that we can stay in touch. Thanks again. And I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Peace.